there are so many doubts and so many questions and so many fears that all of us have as human beings, as individuals trying to start, run, grow our business. And for me, whenever I'm at one of those points, you know, I take a step back and I remember that one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received is to trust your gut. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a wonderful guest to share with you today. Kate Erickson is the implementer over at Entrepreneurs on Fire, an award-winning podcast where John Lee Dumas interviews inspiring entrepreneurs every Monday and drops value bombs every Thursday. She's also the host of the podcast Kate's Take and the co-author of the podcast journal, Idea to Launch in 50 Days. Kate is passionate about helping entrepreneurs create freedom in their business and life through developing systems and processes that can help businesses scale and grow. Kate, welcome to the show. Dr. Richard, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, reconnect with you. It's great. Absolutely. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. And I know a lot of people know that you are the behind the scenes, Wizard of Oz brain behind (laughs) EO Fire. But I wanted to take a step back and talk to you about what it was like before the EO Fire days, what were the things that were seminal for you and put you on the path that you're on today in helping entrepreneurs? Um, Well, before Entrepreneurs on Fire, I had no idea what entrepreneurship was really. So this uh, really is kind of my... Well, it's definitely my first big step into entrepreneurship. Right before I joined the Entrepreneurs on Fire team, I was working at an advertising and marketing agency as an account executive. So I was managing uh, the relationship there. I was managing projects. So a lot of the background and what I do now has been something I've been working at my entire life. And I always encourage entrepreneurs to think about that because um, I know when I tried to start my first business, which was um, before Entrepreneurs on Fire, um, I kind of felt like, well, I don't really have like any great skills or expertise. Like, what am I going to add value to the world in starting my own business? And it wasn't until I realized like all of these skills that I've been honing and working on over the years in my corporate jobs, like those are the things that I'm great at. And actually, when you take them out of the corporate America world, like I love doing them. So, project management and Excel sheets and all that kind of stuff became like so much more fun when I was doing it for projects that I really cared about versus projects that maybe somebody else cared about. But sometimes I found that the projects I was working on in corporate America, like nobody really cared about them. It was just being fed down and fed down and fed down. And it was like what you were supposed to do. Nobody really had like true meaning behind the work that they were doing. What led me there, I guess, is I I met this guy, John Lee Dumas. He was my neighbor in San Diego. I moved into a new apartment building and... Um, him and I shared a wall. 
I saw that every day I would wake up at 5am to go to my corporate job and do all this public transportation and like do all this stuff that I didn't want to do. All the while he's sitting out in the courtyard, like, you know, doing his own thing and like making great money. And he seemed really happy. I'm like, how am I have to get up and, and go through all this stuff to go to this corporate job? This dude sits in the courtyard and like loves his life. Like, what is he doing? He really started introducing me to the idea of entrepreneurship and that was, and that, that was even a possibility. I think that's so interesting. And, and, and really, this is a story that sums up, I think, over so many people that entrepreneurial journey in general is that having these tools, having these skill sets, but just kind of feeling like you're going through the motions in, in a day job, if you will. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, again, I think it's the perspective of, of putting it towards something that's truly meaningful to you versus putting it towards something that may or may not be meaningful to somebody else. Yeah, like I said, you know, project management, I've always known that I was really good at it. But when I started doing it for like things that I knew were changing people's lives, like it just made it that much more special to me. And knowing that it was impacting other people was like, oh my gosh, I want to do more of this and I want to do this every day. I totally get that. And I think for so many people, it's, you know, Bob Berg would certainly speak to this. It's that when you're doing something that's mission driven, everything else just kind of feels like there's a, an exclamation point at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. And everything like flows so much easier, you know, like I, I, I will butcher the quote. I don't know who said it, but it's like, um, if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. Very, very true. I don't know who said it, but I, I know so many people live by that and, and, it, and it is awesome. So you're, you're hanging out in San Diego, you're seeing JLD hanging out in the courtyard, you know, sipping on drinks and having fun and making lots of money. And talk to us about then when you transitioned into working with him, what are some of the, the things, the skills, the, the attributes you started noticing, not only with JLD, but you know, he, he interviews phenomenal guests and thought leaders and influencers. What were some of the things that stood out to you as change-making ideas and practices? Well, so but between the time that John and I got together and he started Entrepreneurs on Fire, we actually made a move across the country to Maine, which is where he's from. So we met in San Diego, where I'm from. We moved across the country to Portland, Maine, where he grew up. And in making that shift, it introduced me to kind of like this whole new way of life on the East Coast that I had never really been exposed to on the West Coast, I guess. Like in San Diego, you know, I knew amazing people and I grew up in an amazing family. But on the East Coast, I was like, wow, these people are like so serious about work. And like they have these lifelong careers that they're working towards. And like for me, it was kind of let's graduate college and then let's see what happens. Hopefully, I'll get a job having to do something with my degree. But like I felt like on the East Coast, like people had been planning this since they were 15 years old or something. And I saw a lot of that come out in John. Like he was so driven and so positive about the work that he was doing when he started Entrepreneurs on Fire. And that's something that I never experienced myself personally, for sure. Like I was forced by my college advisor to declare a major because she told me I wasn't going to graduate unless I started working towards like a specific major because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so to see from him and then to hear from so many of the entrepreneurs that he interviewed, like how 
they had this conviction about like their mission and what they were out to do. And they were so dedicated to that. And it didn't matter how scared they were. It didn't matter how tough it was going to be. It didn't matter how many roadblocks or like times that they had to fall down and get back up. Like they were going to make it happen. And that was a, that was a new idea to me, to be honest. That's interesting. And I, and I know that's not an East Coast thing per se, but it, it yeah. is. <laughs> it's very interesting though that, you know, that, that this is something that seemed like it was a pattern for you that all of these people who kept coming on the show basically were saying that no matter what, I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And, and absolutely, of course, not like an East Coast thing. I think it was like a, a bunch of culture shock that hit me all at the same time. And I'm, you know, just meeting so many people with a different point of view about like, yeah, I don't know what it was. It's really hard to describe like the culture shock that I felt when like usually people don't really talk about culture shock within the same country. But, you know, for me, the lifestyle became very different. And I'm sure a big um, part of that was that I moved there knowing zero people except for John. I had no friends. I had no family. I'd never even been to the East Coast before I moved there. And so I think what added to that was like I was... And I started my own business. I tried to start my own business. So I literally left everything that I knew behind on the West Coast to make this move. And I think that that you know the people that I was starting to engage with as a result of trying to start my own business and I was networking and I was having conversations that I had never had before. And that was you know my bad because I didn't know that that stuff even existed when I lived in San Diego. And so you mentioned a couple of times that you shifted and you started your own business. Talk to us about what that business was and what were the biggest lessons you learned from it. So I call that business Kate's Copy. And my whole goal was to help physical uh, brick and mortar businesses take their company, their sales online. Because I, uh, I mean, this was 2011. So I mean, e-commerce, like, while it definitely existed, it wasn't what it is today by any means. And I saw this opportunity for a lot of these small local businesses, especially in a place like Maine, where it's like very like local and kind of homegrown type of. Um, vibe that you know, there's a lot of businesses that could probably really benefit from having an online presence. So that was my goal. I could actually probably talk about it a lot better now than I ever could back then. I had no idea what I was doing, and again, kind of that the the struggle that I had is I believed that I was an introvert, which you know, for all and for all like all intensive purposes, I am, but. I was scared to like network. I was scared to um, I was scared to sell myself. I was scared to talk about like my business in a way that like I was confident. You know, I I lacked so much confidence. I'd never had a sales job before, so I didn't really know how to communicate to somebody why they would want what I have or what I have to offer. Um, so that was really really difficult for me. And I worked on that for six months straight. And um, again, you know, I started having having conversations with people that I'd never had before, um, which really opened up my mind and that opportunity that there was something else in corporate America, which I never knew before. Um, so it was, you know, the best learning experience I ever could have had. But after six months, I closed the doors to that, and that's when I hopped on board with the advertising and marketing agency that I was talking about before. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. 
For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. A lot of this was lack of confidence. You know, you didn't do the networking, the things like that. What changed that for you? How did you go from, you know, not having the confidence to, you know, finding that insight about that and then making that change? Um, you know, that was like, a, that was a, a really tough lesson and a really long road to travel. You know, I think part of it is like I had this built-in accountability that I had just started dating this guy that I was like in love with and that I had moved across the country for. And so I kind of felt like, you know, he he was like watching and he was... John was so super supportive of of me starting my own business. He was actually working in commercial real estate at the time. So he was kind of doing the corporate thing while I was trying to start my own business. And I felt like you know, that I not only owed it to myself and that I wanted to prove to myself that I could do this, but I kind of felt like, you know, I owed this to him. Like he was supporting me. You know, I wasn't bringing in any money at the time. And so I really wanted, I really wanted to make it happen. So that accountability and kind of like, I guess, having my back up against the wall in a lot of ways, like I really wanted to make it happen. And so being uncomfortable in networking situations or, like maybe not really feeling like going to an event or a conference or something because I felt like uncomfortable being around that many people or I didn't know how to talk to people that I didn't know. Um, I kind of had to just get over it. And that's way easier said than done, but it's just one step at a time. You know, every time you go to one of those networking events, it gets a little bit easier. Um, every time you force yourself to like not stand in the corner and actually introduce yourself to people, it gets a little bit easier. Um, and I still work on that stuff today, you know, seven, eight years later. Like that's still hard for me sometimes, but um, it becomes easier every time you do it. I, I love that. And, and so as we're working through your timeline, you're you're now in this marketing job, JLD's doing commercial real estate. When and what was I guess when did EO Fire start to take place and what was the impetus for creating that? So it was about six months after um, we had uh, that I had moved out to Maine. It was June 2012 when he sent me an email. I was at the advertising marketing agency. I remember it really well. I saw an email pop up from him, and it was like this long, 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 long story about how he had this idea to start this podcast, and I didn't really know what a podcast was back then. Um, and you know, he basically ended the email by saying like. I'm I'm excited to chat about this when you get home. Like maybe we can talk about it more over dinner. We did. And I kind of like asked the five billion questions that I naturally have when something like that comes up. By September, so just a few months later, he had quit his job, launched the podcast, and uh, was doing that all day, every day. It was his full focus from then on. That's awesome. And so, you know, obviously EO Fire is now one of the premier podcasts that are out there. Talk to us though, because you're you're you know working it behind the scenes. Talk to us about some of the challenges that you guys faced in the early days and, and what were the strategies you implemented to overcome them. 
Well, certainly like for the from September to about March of 2013, John was on his own. He had one virtual team member who helped him like with scheduling and stuff, but I was still working in the advertising and marketing agency. I didn't leave that job and join the team until 2013. So I think for John initially, a lot of the struggle was that he was doing it basically by himself. Um, and a daily show by yourself, <laughs> as you know, is very difficult. Um, he didn't have a lot of like those systems in place that he now has that you know have made the other nineteen hundred interviews that he's do- he's done like very very I won't say very very easy. I mean, there's still a lot of work, but you know when you have those systems and those processes in place, and you have a team of what is now five people for us, myself, John, and three virtual team members, you know all of that stuff becomes so much easier. You get to free up bandwidth to focus on creating new products and services, serving your community better, etc. So definitely, I would say one of the biggest struggles was putting those systems in place. And then um, once I joined the team, you know, it was certainly like for me, I wasn't as familiar with the audience as John was. I wasn't as familiar with entrepreneurship as a whole since I really didn't make much headway with um, Kate's copy. Taking on that role of kind of like a community engager and an implementer, but like taking John's ideas and actually creating them so that they were working and functioning ideas, it was a whole new world. It w- I was learning everything from scratch. I still feel like I'm learning everything from scratch in a lot of ways. But you know, when it came time to like send an email newsletter to our list, I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. Like, let me Google, you know, a thousand articles about like how to send an email newsletter using Aweber. So it was like, you know, kind of figuring stuff out for the first time. You, you touched on something that I mentioned in your introduction, and I want to go back to it because I think it's important. You talked about having these systems in place. And I know that that is something that you're passionate about is that helping entrepreneurs lock systems in, processes and procedures in so that their businesses can scale and their businesses can grow. So for somebody listening to this, and maybe they're thinking about starting a business in the next six months. It doesn't even have to be a podcast. A business in general. Talk to us about you know your your biggest top processes, things that we can put in place, whether it be technology or other things that should be a starting point for someone. Um, well, I mean, the the first step that I always teach in creating systems is taking inventory. And I think that that's such an important step, especially for new entrepreneurs. Um, but for any entrepreneur, no matter how long you've been running your business, and taking inventory is essentially understanding what it is you're spending your time on. Because I'm sure you've had days like this before. I know I definitely have where you get to the end of the day. And if someone were to have asked you, what did you accomplish today? It can be kind of difficult to like put that into words. You think, okay, well, I know I've been working for the last eight hours, but what have I accomplished? I've been really busy, but have I been productive? And so um, the first step that I always talk about in creating systems is doing that, taking inventory. So it's essentially just letting a piece of paper follow you around. Actually, I'm like doing it right now. It's funny that we're talking. I just started a new inventory list today where you literally just write out what you do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis, and then track your one-time projects um, so that you can look back and say, okay, like, uh, like, what is the most valuable thing here for me? And um, the ripest opportunity for creating systems and processes are around the things that you do daily. So once you have your inventory list, looking at your daily tasks and trying to figure out how tools or automations or 
um, you know, different pieces of software. Potentially for some people, it might be hiring a virtual team member, somebody to help you out with those daily tasks. Which ones of those can fit into a process or a system? So we're taking inventory and I love the way you describe that. So if for those who are listening to this, Kate just held up her her sheet of all of the things that she's doing. And I, and I think we all can relate to that, that we've had days where we've been busy, but not productive. And so once we've taken inventory, what's the next big step? So the next big step would be to just focus on one thing. So um, you have, once you take inventory, you're going to have it you know, a lot of things on your paper. These are all the things that you work on. Um, So focusing on one and then writing out the steps for that one thing. So that's really the biggest like step number two. So you take inventory. Number two is to choose one thing and to just write out the steps that you take every time you do that thing. Um, Because in writing out the steps, you're not only going to give yourself a checklist that you can use, which is insanely helpful even for daily tasks that you do if you do the, if you really do do them daily and you've been doing them for a really long time you might think like oh well i'm never going to forget anything i do this every day um, but there are times when maybe you go a day without doing it that you like you kind of start to second guess yourself of like did i miss something or am i am i doing this in the right order so one having that checklist of writing out the steps is going to be super helpful two is going to help you um, do the third step which is to automate delegate or batch so those are kind of the three categories that I like to say you can mix and match for any system. Um, automating would be using like a software tool that can help you automate parts or the whole of that um, process. So as you've written out the steps, um, you know maybe one of them is, as an example, you know uploading a post to Facebook or something. Well, that step can be automated with tools like Hootsuite or um, Deliverit or other tools. So, like you would be able to take out that step and say, "Oh, I can automate this." Um, delegating it would be assigning it to somebody else. So you might not only be able to automate parts of your process, some of the steps um, that you take when you do that one thing, but you might also be able to delegate parts of it. Maybe the first four steps can be done by somebody else before it gets to you to finish it off. Um, and then automate delegate batch. Batching is things that you really have to be involved in yourself. Like they require you. So for example, Dr. Richard, you're not going to have somebody else record your podcast episodes for you. Like you are the host of this show and it wouldn't be the same if somebody else was on here interviewing. So for that, you can batch your interviews. You can not just record one interview with me on Mondays, but you can record five interviews on Monday. And that way you're able to um, take like tasks, do them in a short period of time versus spreading them out over multiple days. Um, so those are kind of like the three big ones. Take inventory, write out the steps, and then automate, delegate, or batch in you know, setting up your very first systems and processes. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen startup companies make in terms of working through those steps? Uh, not working through them <laughs> is honestly <laughs> the biggest mistake that I see. Um, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and and I've literally like done this process for them and doing it is the hardest part. Like just breaking the habit of saying like, oh, I can do it faster myself versus uploading it to that scheduler or, oh, instead of delegating it to somebody so I never have to do it again. They think that it'll be quicker if they just do it this one more time before they teach someone else how to do it. 
I totally get that. I've been there before. But what people don't understand is that if you put the time in now, you never have to do it again. So it's kind of like that, oh, I can do it faster excuse that I hear a lot that you know people don't take the time to really set it up. And that is... You know, it's a huge mistake because if you don't set it up, it's never going to be able to work for you. Heck, makes makes perfect sense. Well, Kate, we're we're short on time, I know, but I I wanted to spend just a couple minutes talking about Kate's take. I know that you're you're the implementer on EO Fire, but talk to us about your own podcast and and how that's a little different from EO Fire and what listeners can look to enjoy when they tune into that. Yeah, absolutely. I've been doing Kate's Take now for four years, which is wild. I can't believe it. It's gone by so fast. Um, What's a little bit different about my podcast is it's an audio blog. So essentially what I do is I write a blog post for our website that usually has to do with the steps to do something. So just like systems and processes we're talking about, I take some of the projects and the tasks that I'm working on in the business and I write uh, blog posts, step-by-step tutorials, so that other entrepreneurs can uh, follow that. Because I know that a lot of entrepreneurs aren't or don't want to be stuck in the weeds like I am. So I find that you know writing this stuff out and sharing it with our audience is super helpful for them. So after I write it on the blog, then I basically read that blog post on my podcast. So it's really a lot more of the how-to, the steps that you can take to accomplish setting up a funnel or setting up an email campaign or... Like one of my recent posts was how implementing a daily roundup has helped me accomplish all of my goals. So um, that sort of stuff. And I typically publish once a week as to not overwhelm people. (laughs) But I'm really enjoying the podcast. And um, again, it's a little bit different because it's just me. Um, I don't do interviews or anything like that. But um, I certainly have a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. And Kate, we are at time. I, I will have links to Kate's take and everything else that we've alluded to throughout the show in the show notes and in the Daily Helping app. But as you know, I, I wrap up all of my episodes by asking my guests a single question. And that is, what is your biggest helping? The single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after listening to our conversation today? Mm, Okay. So I know that I haven't come out and said this yet, but on my journey, so many times this piece of advice has popped into my head and it's to trust your gut. Like There are so many doubts and so many questions and so many fears that all of us have as human beings, as individuals trying to start, run, grow our business. And for me, whenever I'm at one of those points, you know, I take a step back and I remember that one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received is to trust your gut. Love it. Kate, where can people find you? Everything that we do is over at eofire.com. Perfect. And as I said, we'll we'll have links to your blog and, and everything else in the show notes and the Daily Helping app. Well, Kate, thank you so much. It was awesome having you on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Richard. And I want to thank each and every one of you who tuned into this episode. If you like what you heard, Go subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps others find the podcast. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.